Hey everyone, welcome to It Was All A Stream. I'm Chris Sachs. Alongside me, as always, Neil Carroll. Welcome back everybody, special Christmas edition. Yes, we have many, many Christmas themed things to discuss today. More importantly though, we basically got a Christmas gift early with the season finale of The Mandalorian. It was joyous, to say the least. I, yes, it was It was definitely joyous. It was mm. merry and bright. <laughs> um, we just need to get right into it. So we're going to do this. We've, we've got some Christmas-themed stuff uh, later for you in the episode. But first, our last recap for the season last our last season wiki recap of the season here we Let's go roll. an imperial shuttle is disabled by slave one and the mandalorian and cara dune board and capture dr pershing next they enlist the help of bo katan and casca reeves in return for bo katan getting gideon's cruiser and the darksaber the group uses the shuttle to get close enough to crash land on Gideon's cruiser with Fett pretending to attack them in Slave 1. Bo-Katan, Casca, Fennec, and Dune fight through stormtroopers to the cruiser's bridge. Meanwhile, the Mandalorian finds the dark troopers, barely defeats one of them, and ejects the rest of them into space. More on that later. He fights Gideon with the Beskar spear and wins, making him the new rightful owner of the Darksaber. The Dark Troopers fly back onto the ship and attack. Before they are overwhelmed, big reveal and massive spoilers, Jedi Luke Skywalker arrives and easily defeats all of the star- Dark Troopers. Easily. Easily. The Mandalorian gives Grogu permission to go with Skywalker and R2-D2 to complete his training. In a post credit scene... Actually, we'll get to the post credit scene because <laughs> that's the start of Roland or Trollin. So th- that's it. Uh, it uh, listen... So this was tremendous. And I, I feel like, like the whole episode was great. I have so much to say about the last five minutes of the episode that I feel like it's, it's a waste to just talk about that. But let's go. try to start with the beginning and work our way through. Yes, let's start from the beginning, work our way through. Uh, so, all right, Mandalorian. We're flying in Slave One, which you know I've been talking about for the last two episodes. I was excited to see the inside of Slave One. He, you know, zips up past that disabled ship. You see, you know, that uh, Boba Fett face kind of just going past the screen. Yeah. It's tremendous. He also got, got himself back together a little bit. He was a little, you know, a little hefty bag in that Boba Fett outfit. He's, right. With each episode, it gets better. Showing up at that bar, meeting Bo-Katan, making their deal. Now we've got four Mandalorians rolling. I, I, it was so cool, like putting the gang together, moving into the next like, phase, heading into that broken down Imperial vessel, which is reminiscent of 
you know, the original trilogy vessels, while still being a little different, you know, given their own spin on it, which we know they have to do. Yep. And they did enough fan service, God knows, in this episode to excuse any, you know, little outside um, changes. But we see that spear come back, that uh, best car spear. Yes, we do. Big, very significant. Big, significant thing. Um, very cool. It plays a huge part um, dealing with the dark soldiers and seeing them again, the dark troopers rather. Correct. So, you know, you mentioned them getting sucked out into the outer space. You want to comment on that? Yeah. I mean, well, c- kind of to your point, obviously mm-hmm. the way that Mando is able to defeat the one dark trooper is he finally figures out to pull out the Beskar spear and stab him through the neck. Right. Cause the, the Beskar is going to go through anything. Right. Um, I think, Think, I don't know what took those dark troopers so long to fly back into the I know. ship. That was a little contrived. I agree. So that was a little like if they were, they're robots, so the space wasn't going to do anything to them. So yeah. I don't know what the deal was with that. Maybe it just wasn't in their immediate programming. They had to like cycle through some stuff before they <laughs> came to the conclusion that they should right. fly back. Um, but yeah, other other than that, I mean... The beginning of this episode, kind of like we said, there wasn't really too much to it. Obviously, we've got Bo-Katan coming back. Very significant is after Mando does defeat Moff Gideon in battle. Um, Again, one thing to note is that the Beskar does protect Mando from any lightsabers, including the Darksaber. So the Darksaber isn't any more powerful than regular lightsabers. It's just it's power, more powerful in a different way because it means something to it's, Mandalorian specifically. Yeah, but it's it, not it's like meaning. physically more powerful. Right. Correct. Um, so that had no effect against the Beskar. It couldn't cut through it, and Mando was actually able to fight with his um, Beskar uh, spear yeah. uh, against the Darksaber, Which, and, and it was fine. Great tool. You know, and it was like you could see it was heating up against the lightsaber. You know, at some point, I think these things got to get superheated where they bend or they start to ship. I don't know. Because right. something's got to forge them. But y- you get all of this, and then you get Moff Gideon again. So Moff Gideon uh, uh, fighting with the Darksaber, spoiler alert, but we already knew he had it. You, you know, uh, Mando using that uh, Beskar steel spear to, to fend him off. But he's just like being a little turd once he gets oh, caught. Oh, yeah, big time. And just big needling and, and causing problems where there don't need to be problems and like driving a wedge between the group that's worked so well together. So, so that wedge being because yes. Mando defeats Moff Gideon and takes the, light, light, the dark saber from him in battle – when Mando tries to give it to Bo-Katan as promised, she can't accept it because because of what her beliefs and Mandalorian right. rules and right. all of that. Having possession of the Darksaber makes you the ruler of Mandalore, but you have, but to, take it in battle. You have to take it and earn it in mm. battle. You are not allowed to be handed it. Right. And so Moff... And like Mandalorian, and Gideon knew that. Mando's like, here, I yield, take it. Like, what? Let's stop the nonsense. 
But, you know, she now, he got in her head. That's unresolved. We're going to have to deal with that. Right. Um, but let's just, let's just dive in to the last five minutes. Okay. Like, we have to. Like, that's the whole thing. Luke. We got Luke. Luke. Can I tell you, I was audibly excited. I was, I was home alone. I was watching it. I was leaping off my couch. I was audibly excited. So the X-Wing shows up. A, always great to see an X-Wing. Once the X-Wing shows up, too, that's your first inkling. Are we that's your first clue. That's your first clue. They're not going to do that, right? He shows up, then, and he's covered all the way through till he gets in. And op- We're past spoiler alert, but spoilers, the whole thing is spoilers. He, we don't see his face. He gets all the way through, okay? But he's like, all right, it's a dark cloak. I know a couple of Jedis with a dark cloak. Um, you see the glove on one hand. It's like, okay, Luke Skywalker wears one glove. He's like space Michael Jackson, but, you know, cooler. Um, here's what did it for me. The green lightsaber? Yes, but not just the color. I was such a Luke fan, and my favorite, like, toy lightsaber as a child was the Skywalker lightsaber that I recognized the hilt. Right. So when I saw the hilt of the lightsaber, I'm like, that's it. I know that lightsaber. I've seen that before. And I knew it, and I was so excited, and I was afraid for a second. I was like, please don't tell me that someone else got it yeah he someone took it away from him or blah 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 i was so i was so excited um then he shows up takes that mask off and it's cgi luke skywalker with mark hamill's voice there's been a lot of complaints about this cgi there's been a lot of complaints about bringing luke there period like oh you should just recast if you're gonna have a prolonged presence of Luke Skywalker in a series, yes. It would probably be wise to recast. Mm-hmm. For this and for snippets in the future, I'm perfectly fine with it. It was a little plastic, the face. It was a little yeah. exp- like Botoxy, but it, it, I'm, it's all good. Like they, you know, that's it. That's all I needed. It yeah, worked I, perfectly. I thought it was fine. I thought it was better than Rise of Skywalker when they do the flashback of Leia and Luke yes, doing their yes. training, yeah, that, that looked really computer generated. This was yes. a, a little bit better. I think it yep. probably helped that the, he was like basically standing still and just yeah, talking definitely. when you saw his face. Um, yeah. I mean, I listen, I have no problems with doing the CGI for a three minute scene. Right. I think oh, yeah. that was completely fine. It worked. It had the effect that it needed. It was like the ultimate flex from mm. Favreau and Filoni. Oh. Just and it's not even over yet. No, there's so much more. Right. So that, clearly, there's gonna be more to come with Luke, right? Because he it has to be. ta- takes Baby Yoda. Um, right. I would be interested in seeing Luke recast at some point so that he can have a more prominent role. Um, in future stuff that would be really cool i know it was circulating online that sebastian stan got yeah kind saw of that photoshopped and he looked pretty much exactly like luke i kind of <laughs> liked that i think he'd do a good job um but regardless i 
think that, you know, it, it served its purpose. It oh, yes. was very effective. I loved the, um, the, the him battling the dark troopers before you know who it is with his oh. hood up. You can't see, and he's fighting through the hall. And glorious. I saw a lot of stuff online too, and I thought it was very on point and very smart of what Favreau and uh, Filoni, and I think the director was Peyton Reed. Um, he's the one who does the Ant-Man movies, actually. Um, it was almost a, a mirror or an homage to the first time we see Darth Vader in the movies where he comes through and he yes. fights through the, the rebels through the hallway. That's the shot I like that, that we got with Luke. It was, they, they, it was like a juxtaposition that they were a parallel to it, yeah. um, which was pretty cool. I could definitely uh, see and that. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see. Now, my immediate concern of course was, well, shoot, did, baby Yoda already made it out of the order 66. Did baby Yoda make it out of the Kylo Ren attack? Oh, that's right. That's right. Is it was baby Yoda there? Was he already graduated? Is he, you know, not a baby anymore by that time? Like what's the deal there? It would seem to be, he's not a baby anymore at that time because like Kylo probably isn't even born yet at this moment. Probably not. Probably not. No, or or getting close to being born. Getting close know? to being born. Um, and so I think that's going to be interesting to explore now too, because now we have the opportunity to get some of that information that we didn't have prior to prior to the um, newest trilogy and Last Jedi, where maybe down the line we'll we'll get to Luke's Jedi school. And see that how that went, and something. see where the turn came from Luke. I know the people have issues with how Luke's story went in Last Jedi, um, but I think it just makes him more interesting. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I that that's a disagreement we've had. I don't like the way his storyline went um, in in. Last Jedi, I think they squandered a good thing, but I like what you're saying. I like following this this you know Jedi school that could be an interesting television series. Clearly, this is the beginning of that school, right? He's okay. going around collecting, scooping, up. scooping yeah. up the young Jedi that need to be trained. Definitely. Not to interrupt. Sorry. No, no, no. But you're absolutely right. So yeah, that that, that would be cool. Like that's an interesting opening salvo to this what do you call it to this like jedi school but you like so we've got a couple answered questions and unanswered questions so we know now obviously yoda and maybe that whole species very force sensitive we know luke skywalker obviously survived obviously scooping up uh jedi kids obviously the strongest probably jedi out there right now Okay, oh, without Yoda's, Yoda's gone. Obi-Wan's gone. He's essentially the last man standing. Um, you know, it, uh, that's why it was called A New Hope when they made it. Um, so, and the Sith, like, essentially, essentially defeated, but we'll, we'll, you know, there'll be more. 
um, they go, they fly. So now they're gone. Right. Prior to them leaving, Mando takes off his helmet, lets yep. the, the baby Yoda see his face. Baby Yoda's got like a, oh, sh- this is new information look on his face. Right. A little shocked. It's still the most, like Baby Yoda in every episode. Still adorable. Still adorable. Never had a bad moment. No. Still the, mo- the cutest thing I've ever seen in any Absolutely. Galaxy. But it was just like, like let's forget storyline. Let's forget everything else. From a fan service perspective, it was perfect. Oh, without a doubt. Everything was. was. The whole, the whole episode. The, the whole, whole episode gave us everything. Gave everything. It's, you know, we've got an Imperial Star Cruiser. We've got that Darksaber making its return, uh, tying into Clone Wars. We've got Bo-Katan also deeply ensconced in Clone Wars. We've got Mandalorian history which people, you know, who've read the books and the extended canon and everything else and the cartoon series, all of them. We've got Baby Yoda finally, not closing the arc, but, because I'm sure he'll be back, but we've, like, essentially safe. Like, he's now, we've, we've traveled two seasons with him. He's gotten where he needs to go. He's gotten to Luke. You get Luke. Luke's now back. And I say this every time. I'm like, just show me the old friends. Bring them back. Do this. I want to see fans. They did it. It was perfect. You know, lightsaber Luke. Then we get some, like, unanswered questions. What happens next? Are these two going to have to fight for the Darksaber? Uh, Is, uh, you know, how are we going to see Baby Yoda again? Is, uh is the Mandalorian going to make a trip to Coruscant because technically that's where the school was, or that's where the Jedi temple was. Luke seems to have in um, rise of Skywalker, like a camp on a, on a different planet, but you know, maybe that's a thing. Maybe that's not. So, you know, are we going to visit that school? Are we going to have a longer conversation with Luke? Are we going to have CGI, you know, younger Leia, younger Han type thing um, going forward? Some unanswered questions, a lot of interesting places to go with the series. Do you want to open with the end credit scene? Yes. So first, I do want to say too, I wonder, just following up on that, on the questions mm-hmm. that we have, I wonder if, you know, it, it would be a big move if that closes our chapter of Baby Yoda for a while. You know, like yeah. we've gotten the beginning of and to the end of Mando's journey with Baby Yoda, right? That was a great finish for that storyline. I wonder if maybe if that gets picked up, it's not going to be picked up so much in the Mandalorian seasons anymore, but as a larger kind of overarching thing, because they have alluded to the fact that there will be a larger event with all these star Wars shows that they have coming up with Ahsoka and with, um, I guess it's rebels or or something like that. Um, or soldiers of the Republic. I don't know, whatever that is. So uh, yeah, I wonder if maybe that brings it to a close. I'm also interested to see what are they going to do with Moff Gideon? Now they have him captured where do we go? Where's where 
does he go from here? What's his next step? And are we going to get a lot more Moff Gideon now? Because we've had him kind of in and out. You know what I mean? But we've yeah. never had really full, like any focus on Moff Gideon. Uh, so I wonder if we get that in the upcoming seasons too. And like, what's Mando going to do with himself now that baby Yoda's out of the picture for now? And is he going to go how... back to bounty hunting? Or are we just going to get like kind of single adventures of him go back to that? Well, that's like, what I'm saying. So like, are we ready for that? Are people, do you think there's going to be a backlash? Do you think like the first few episodes sans baby Yoda are going to piss people off? Or you think they'll I think it, it will because with I think without a doubt they're gonna go back to kind of those single adventure because they yeah. did that. Now they lean so heavily into the canon and the larger storyline this mm. season than I thought they were going to with the you know the start that we had gotten. Uh, but still kind of having that one episode centric. Uh, or one one adventure centric episode per episode. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't know what they're gonna do, but I think a s- season three of Mandalorian, we could see just the them leaning a lot more into the Western vibe and just making it a season about him journeying from planet to planet, with maybe not so much of an overarching storyline. Who knows? Um, okay. So, mm. we're actually going to start. Mm, no, we're not going to start rolling or trolling. <laughs> First, before we get into the, again, I'm delaying the big reveal of the post credit scene. Yes. Because first, I want to get into our last segments of the year until okay. next year. Let's do it. Let's grade Mando's parenting skills this week. I... I'm going to go first because I want to get it out in case I have to end this podcast and, and break up our team. My grade for Mandalorian's parenting skills in this last episode is an A plus plus. A double plus. I don't know if double plus exists, but you're you're the teacher. You would know. Yes, that is the, yeah. That's the grade we give. Um, you know, the extra credit A plus plus. He, I mean, he literally dives in front of a bullet for Baby Yoda, like literally. He he, you know, he gives him up because it's the right thing to do. Like, how hard is that? Not just, you know, he, he knows that he isn't going to have the life he should have hanging out with him. He gives him over to Luke Skywalker. I'm giving an A++. I'm going to brace myself now for your heretical texts. Go ahead. What do you have to say? Oh, just prejudging me. Um, I think, listen, people will have their grades and they'll say what they want to say. But there's only one true correct grade <laughs> for this episode. And that's an A+. Yes. Oh, it took a whole season. Mando yes. aced his last two episodes aced. with me. Aced. Especially this episode was, was the biggest. He succeeds in 
rescuing Baby Yoda, first of all. Absolutely. Succeeds. I thought people might say, oh, well, wouldn't you dock him a couple points when Baby Yoda was in his care and was kidnapped? He got he got the points docked the episode that Baby Yoda was kidnapped. New episode, so we're focusing on what happened in the episode. So he successfully rescues Baby Yoda. He saves Baby Yoda's life, like you said, by jumping in front. And the biggest, biggest thing is he recognized what was best for Baby Yoda, his child, might not have been what was best for him, right? but as any good parent would do, he put his child's best interest first. And he knew that the best thing for Baby Yoda was to let him go be trained by Luke, who very much just proved himself to be, uh, to know what he's doing. Very much. Um, A little like, listen, I get it. Like, Luke is kind of a stranger, a little bit of stranger danger there. Like, yes, he rescued everyone. Um, But we're going to go with that. He he knew that was the right thing to do. So uh, again, I'm not going to dock the points for the stranger danger. Although while I'm thinking about it is a little bit crazy, just to hand over your kid to someone that you just met. Although they did rescue you. You've literally spoken to him for a total of maybe three minutes, but I'm not going to be that guy. It's the finale. We're not going to have this for another right. year until another year. So, A+. Plus. It's about time. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Who didn't quite have the high ground this week? Let me tell you something. Who did not have the high ground this week? And this is interesting because this episode blurs once you get all the action because it's all about just getting onto that ship, all right? So I'm going to say Moff Gideon assumed he had the high ground. Very fair. He's got his, I'm, I'm very sure. He's got his dark troopers. He's like, Psh, get ready for this, y'all. And he pushes the button. He's charging them up. He's ready. He thinks he's got it. But the thing that makes me think the award should go to him is he's in the detention cell. He's in the, like the little prison cell, baby Yoda, Mandalorian and him. He's got the dark saber. He's holding it to baby Yoda. He puts it away. They make their deal. And as he's walking past them, he reignites that dark saber and he's about to chop off uh, the Mando's head and it all goes south from there. So he like he thought, oh, this is it. I got him now. Blam! And totally wiped yep. out. Oh, totally. I agree with you. Totally agree with you. Um, I'm going to take it in a different direction. Um, I am going to go with Bo-Katan. Interesting. Bo-Katan Do tell. could care less about <laughs> Baby Yoda and what happens with Baby Yoda. Her only reason for being and doing anything that she does is to return to Mandalore and return it to its glory. But not only that, but be the, the lead of that glory, the ruler of that glory. Yes. And 
the only reason she agreed to go on this mission was because Moff Gideon was there and because he had the Darksaber. The one thing that she needs in order to just begin that journey of restoring Mandalore and having her at the head of the table. A big wrench got thrown in her plan when she was like, oh yeah, Mando, you go do your thing. Us as a group, we're going over here. We're going over here. Maybe give Mando a heads up like, hey, I need to take out Moff Gideon so that I can have the Darksaber. Uh, That's the only way I can achieve what I need to achieve because he didn't know he did what he had to do. He did what he had to survive and make sure baby Yoda survived and defeats Moff Gideon. And now, Hey, she's out the the throne of Mandalore. I, I like it. I like it. I wouldn't have gone there. I was, that's thinking outside the box. I could see that. Yeah. She, you know, I, I mean, I agree. I think there's a, a few that, that could win this, this week. I think, Obviously, Moff Gideon is a, a worthy candidate. Bo-Katan is a little outside the box. I also kind of think like the Dark Troopers a little bit. Well, you know, they're they're yes. big showcase. I mean, they 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 ha- let me tell you, they were very much like they were gonna win, oh, and yeah. then out of, of course out of nowhere, of all people, Luke Skywalker shows up and just takes them out. And they didn't have a chance and they were names. dominating they were dominating that and he crushes that one like a coke can yep oh yep. it was amazing it was just tremendous um lastly our I'm final so chewy medal of honor of the so year chewy who is honor. your finale your season two finale chewy medal of honor winner um so I feel like Luke should win all the awards, but that was overt. And the point I'll remind the audience, the point of the Chewy Medal of Honor is that somebody does something that is um, out, uh, unsung, an unsung hero. Yes, absolutely. It's not going to be the first person you think of. Right. So I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say Boba Fett. Okay. Because Boba Fett, accomplishes his task and then skips town yes like he's like all right listen i have a very specific thing to do and he accomplishes it without fail and then he's out and then he's out and he and he takes a huge risk like he's he's got tie fighters on his tail there's things going on um so he takes a huge risk and comes out the other side, he deserves it. That's my yeah, that's I, I kind of like that because he's kind of like back to his overhyped origins. Yeah, where it's I like overhyped, but yes. Well, I I don't I, I know what you mean. I can't find another word for it where it's basically like he doesn't get a <laughs> lot to do, but he's still really cool. Yes. You know what I mean? So oh, like yes. that's kind of where what he originated as. Like he didn't really do that much, but everyone loved him. Like that's kind of what they went back to this this week. They're like, oh, he'll just get in a little tussle and then he's gonna drop everyone off to the big battle and and leave. Yes. Um so I like that. I am gonna go with and I think they're literally being unsung and unrecognized just in general as even a component 
of this episode because everyone is has been so focused on Luke Skywalker. We forget that R2-D2 is there too. Well, yeah, yes, we got we R2-D2 do. there. Go ahead. And, and he gets the Chewy Medal of Honor because he helped explain. get Luke there. And he he's back. And yes. he already is being delightful towards Baby Yoda. It was. And making his noises and doing his little dance. And that's all we needed from him. I mean, he gets it just for being R2-D2. That's it. You know, just recognize just, like that. It. Yeah, we're excited that Luke's there. It was cool, but you know what? R2 showed up as well, and we should be excited for him too. We should be so excited because R2's the original. He's the OG. We Now we've got, you know, the roly-poly um, 88. DB? D- DB 88? 88? That's, is it DB 88? No, no, no. no. It's, it's something. B88. 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 Um, We've got that little guy. We've got Baby Wait, Yoda. No, it's not B eighty eight. What the heck is that thing? I don't know. Uh, whatever. It's adorable, but it's not memorable. BB. BB 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 eight. BB eight. That's what it is. BB-8. We were mixing it was up a double. the double. Yeah. Yep, it's BB eight. Oh, so boy. podcast canceled by all the Star Wars fans. By all the stuff, we're gonna get run out of town. Yep. Um, so you got BB eight. You got Baby Yoda. You got all this stuff. But it was nice to see. Uh, r2d2 roll in absolutely and do his beeps and boops and looking good too like he he gets haggard by the end of those series but he's still looking good all right that's gonna do it for us for mando for this year it's been real Mm. until next season until next season we're gonna start Rolling or trolling. This rolls into our rolling or trolling segment. The after credits scene yes. announced after all the announcements we got the previous week from Disney and all the infinite Star Wars announcements they had, they mm. still had one in, up their sleeve, and that was the reveal of the Book of Boba. Book of Boba, or is it Book of Boba Fett? I think it's Book of Book Boba, Boba Fett, Fett, I believe. Yeah. It would kind of be cool to be just Book of Boba. Book of Boba. Book of Boba Fett coming December 2021. We get a, a nice little scene. I, I want you to explain the scene. And what I'm going to explain the scene because just as I was exhaling, like finally really because it's holding my breath and all this stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, ah. Oh. Oh my God, just as I was settling back into the couch and relaxing and just enjoying the end credits music and the sense of closure and excitement that has washed over me, I had to leap forward again and deal with (sighs) Boba Fett landing on a familiar planet, Tatooine, we're getting more of the old, what we liked. I yes, literally sir. said, I literally said in the last episode, man, it'd be nice if we're going to do this to go to Tatooine and not invent some new planet. It'd be great to go back. Yep. We're back on Tatooine. We see Boba Fett walk down a very familiar staircase into a very familiar room. And we see 
what was Jabba's podium or pedestal that now Jabba's gone and dead. Spoiler alert from 25 years ago. Gone and dead. Bib Fortuna. I like that. I thought that was a really good touch. Oh, good touch. Bib Fortuna is sitting on a throne, has obviously taken over the hut. Um, so for those who might be familiar with the name, can yeah. you like explain who oh, Bib right. Fortuna is? Bib Fortuna. So let's go back to um, Return of the Jedi. All right, Return yep. of the Jedi. We've got Jabba the Hutt. Han Solo owes Jabba the Hutt money. That's the whole reason for Boba Fett. Boba Fett goes, collects the bounty on Han Solo by delivering him to Tatooine, to Jabba's palace, to Jabba the Hutt. Jabba has a um, major domo, has like a guy that is the translator that deals with all his nonsense and all, you mm-hmm. know, get, he's like the second in command. And that, that was... guy is Bib Fortuna. Bib Fortuna. He's a Twi'lek. And we've seen them before. That girl from uh, Harry one. Potter and season one and from um, Game of Thrones, she yep. played a Twi'lek and Twi'lek, Twi'lek. They're the creatures that have those long horns. Yes. Okay. And so Bim Fortuna has not aged well. He got bigger. That's what got I, I guess what happens when you're in that role. He was slowly become starting to look like, like Jabba. Jabba. Yeah, I like that. I like that like nuance. So Bim Fortuna took over for Jabba. Is running the Hut Syndicate. Is running that like crime family. Um. And is immediately dispatched by Boba Fett. I love that Boba walks in. He walks past some familiar creatures that we've seen, those pig-like the creatures. Little pig soldiers. Oh, with their axes. So awesome. But he rolls up on, on Bib, and Bib's like, oh, Boba, I'm so glad you're alive. Dude, honey, baby, what's going on? And just is, Boba's not having it. Kills him, sits down, is about to be, like he's promoted himself. He's like, um, yeah. And then we get the announcement that that's coming in December. I also like, it's kind of funny that during his first appearance, I was mocking him and calling him Boba the Hutt because he looked a little pudgy. And now he's literally Boba the Hutt now. So amazing. Just so freaking amazing. I can't wait. Like, look, you have, um, You've got things like uh, Tales from Mos Eisley, which is a book in the canon or the, the Legends universe now that deals with a lot of bounty hunters, that deals with Boba Fett. And it's basically, they all kind of land on Tatooine because it's a wretched hive of scum and villainy. And they deal with their, you know, the people giving out the, the bounties and all that stuff. This, is, this opens up so many possibilities. Like Boba Fett, they, they can do storylines where he's going to get revenge on people that wronged him. They could do storylines where he's, you know, he's not even going out. He's kind of given orders and just dealing with nonsense on Tatooine. It's, it's so like, I'm so ready. And I think it was a clever thing to do because again, remember when we started this podcast and we started talking about, um, the first episode of the first season of, of men. Right. We were talking about like, you know, but yeah, but we wanted Boba Fett, you know, right. this is good. We want a Boba Fett is the Mandalorian. Yep. That's who we thought we were getting. So either they're geniuses and they knew what they were doing 
or they like worked it in and it just worked out, but this is perfect. Well, you think about it and we basically got a bunch of different pilots. Like um, I forget what they're called when they kind of do a pilot within an existing season so that they could do yeah. a spinoff. Yeah. Um, and so we got that with Ahsoka, obviously she's yep. coming. We still have Mando season three. We've got the, um, rangers of the new republic which is going right. to tie into everything and we've got boba fett so we've got four shows now three of which are going to pretty much spin off of mando we don't know what rangers of the new republic is yet but we True. do know that it's still um in the same timeline as the mandalorian series and at some point there's going to be a quote-unquote climactic event that intertwines all of these shows. Um, so it was it was really cool seeing that, oh, Boba Fett's probably going to tie into this as well now with his own oh. show because everyone loved his return. Everyone loved Ahsoka. It made sense Whoa. that they're both going to get their own series. Um, I, I think it's crazy. It's, it's just like they are, uh, first of all, uh, I'm rolling hard with it. I think it's awesome. And they just, they went for it, man. Oh, hard. They were just like, screw it. Let's just, let's do this. What, when do, when are we ever going to have the chance to like, we're making something Star Wars. Like, let's just go yes. for it. We're br bringing Luke. We're doing Boba Fett. We're giving him his own show. Like, let's just do it. I think it was awesome. All oh. right. Taking a step back now from star wars yes step back it wouldn't be a week of entertainment news without more spider-man 3 rumors indeed we now have rumored to appear in spider-man 3 it only makes sense uh -huh. thomas hayden church's sandman from the original spider-man 3 right. and William Defoe's Green Goblin. Oh, Defoe. I, do you want to? You want to go? I got thoughts. I have theories. I have thoughts. So I, I'm rolling with this. I'm starting to get a little worried that because they're bringing so many of these people back, that yeah. they're literally just going to be cameos. Well, that's the thing. It's and you know what? Here's the here's the problem. Spider-Man Three fell down the same uh, hole that like the Batman series fell down. So example, Batman 1989, it's Batman, it's Joker, period. Batman Returns, which P.S. is a, is a Christmas movie. People don't realize Yes, that. it is. Yes, it is. Um, Batman Returns, Christmas movie. You've got Catwoman, Penguin, enough. It works, but it was yep. like that. And they stopped there. And they stopped there. After that, Batman Forever, Batman Returns. You've got multiple villains. They're saturating it. It's too much. It's too right. soon. We're not focused. It gets colorful. It gets crazy. You know, with Spider-Man 1, Willem Dafoe. That's all you need. Spider-Man 2, Doc Ock. Amazing performance. You have time to sit with that performance. Spider-Man 3, and, and here's why I'm rolling with this idea, with, with what you just said. I'm rolling with it because Thomas Hayden Church didn't get the time that maybe he should have to yep. shine in that role because there was so much going on it was and so the much whole thing was on. so convoluted 
because they had they had Sandman, they had Venom, and they had um, uh, what's his face? The uh, becoming Franco becoming becoming Green Goblin, right? And it was all like, which is fine. Listen, it's fine having multiple villains when their storylines are kind of cohesively intertwined, right? But like the, they were just all over the place. Like ne- none of them had anything to do with the other. None of them have anything to do with the other. And it, and it just took away from decent actors being able to apply their craft. Your fear that they're all going to turn into cameos, absolutely valid. But I just like, I'm, I'm more afraid of that, what you said, than I'll be afraid of people naysaying Sandman because people berated Sandman when that movie came yeah. out. But he really wasn't a problem. Like, I'd actually be curious to see that. I think they did a fairly decent job. It, well, the biggest problem was, was Venom in that movie and, and Franco's yes. Goblin. That was miserable. Um, so, right, so I'm going to roll with it because I think it deserves a shot. I agree. I agree. Um, some Zack Snyder Justice League news. Apparently, it could get an R-rated release. Hello. From Entertainment Weekly, Zack Snyder was interviewed, and he said, quote, Here's one piece of information nobody knows. The movie is insane and so epic and is probably rated R. That's one thing I think will happen, that it will be an R-rated version for sure. We haven't heard from the MPAA, but that's my gut. There's one scene where Batman drops an F-bomb. Cyborg is not too happy with what's going on with his life before he meets the Justice League, and he tends to speak his mind. And Steppenwolf is pretty much just hacking people in half. So the rating would be due to violence and profanity, probably both. I am, here's what it is. I'm going to roll with it because this movie and, and this, just because I feel like we need to try an R-rated version because it might offer something in the way of difference. It's already a dour shower of sadness. A dour the way shower. it is now. Dour shower. The way it is now. And now it's, it's rated in such a way to appeal to as many people as possible. If they make it R-rated and they take us down a very specific rabbit hole, then maybe it will feel like this movie has some direction. Maybe it will feel like there was an actual line of cohesive thought behind the film before it started. That's all I hope for. I doubt it, but I'm going to roll with it because I want, I just want to see it work. Like I waited so long my whole life to see live action justice league. And, and then after I got involved in the dark Knight returns comic book, um, like I was so ready for Batman versus Superman that it just makes me sad what they did with it. I am trolling it because here's here's why. There's not going to be any, like, just given the history of Zack Snyder, there's not going to be any substance behind it. So he thinks that if you, like, give a movie all this 
you know, artistic flash and put violence in it and, you know, have it rated R, that's going to make it a good movie without just actually making it a good movie. So he's just putting everything on the surface, but he never has any actual quality behind it. Like, uh, again, I'm kind of bashing him, but the, the, I, I'm just not a fan of his movies because I think all of his movies are just that. They're like slow motion, crazy looking visually, whether you like yeah. it or not, they are crazy, crazy visuals that you get, but that's all his movies are. Uh, so I think we're just going to get more of that. I, I'm, I don't I think do it. it being rated R is going to change what my opinion is going to be of, of this movie. Um, we're also, it's confirmed that it will be coming in March, 2021. Also another little bit of HBO news, not, uh, we don't have to go too far into this. Uh, we did touch on it uh, last episode, uh, they've confirmed that the Game of Thrones House of the Dragon spinoff is yes. going to be released in 2022. So we got an update on that as well. Um, Interesting. Tom Cruise had himself a week. Tom Cruise had himself a week. And, and, and I'm going to preface whatever you're going to say with Tom Cruise, not a fan. Not a, not a fan. I had a I had a personal run in with Tom Cruise. Interesting. Well, yeah. we'll get into that. But okay. first, okay. So Tom Cruise went on just the rant of all rants, mm. and it was recorded. Yeah. And it was released online because he was pissed that crew members broke COVID protocols on the set of Mission Impossible Seven. Correct. Here is as much of the quote as I can give from <laughs> the Toronto Sun, which released this and released like a ton of Tom Cruise news. They apparently have the scoop on Tom Cruise. Quote, if I see you do that, do it again, you're effing gone. And if anyone in this crew does it, that's it. They're back there in Hollywood making movies right now because of us. We are cheating thousands of jobs, you mother effers. That's it. No apologies. You can tell it to the people that are losing their effing homes because our industry is shut down. Right. So, Presume, from what I heard, the, the crew people he was talking to were standing too close together at the monitor. They were looking at the monitors and they were standing too close together and they were filming in England, I think. And the, the UK rules were like, you have to be two meters apart, whatever a meter is. Got it. And um, so are you asking me, am I rolling or trolling with this? I think I'm going to ask if you're rolling or trolling with, yeah, with Tom oh. Cruise's rant. I am, and it could be complicated. It could be a half roll it's, and a half I'm, troll. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a slow roll. Okay. Like, I'm just going to take my foot off the gas and let the car do the work. Gotcha. You know? And here's why. First, Tom Cruise. Um, loony bin. All right? In general. But, but, I respect that he's always giving 110%. He is. He's That's always giving 110%. Like, lately, 
he feels like Tom Cruise in every movie. But I also think that that's a product of like being as famous as Tom Cruise. Yeah. Like you, you reach that level and like, Tom Hanks does a good job of trying to disappear into roles, but he's Tom Hanks. Like it takes yeah. you out of it a little bit because yeah. he is who he is. Tom Cruise, you know, I'm not going to fault him for, for that. I will say this. I appreciate, even if it's a little hypocritical because he takes a $40 million salary, but, you know, is concerned about the people losing their jobs. Meanwhile, how about you cut your salary so that my movie ticket isn't $47, it's three bucks. That aside, and that's been my complaint for a while. That aside, good for him. He's like, listen, guys, we just got up and running again. Uh, the business shut down. We employ thousands of people. If you screw up and we have to shut this production down, everybody goes home. And the clock stops on work. It's not like a, a government job where if you get sent home, they send you home with pay or anything like that. So I kind of, I kind of respect what he was doing. Um, and the other thing I think deserves mentioning is that movie's been shut down. I think three times, like it's already been delayed. Yeah. I so, think you know. so my initial reaction when I first heard the tape, I was like, Oh, good, like good for him. You know, regardless of, you know, what was going on or whatever, like people should be following COVID protocols. Maybe he's thinking the move, the the status of their movie is a little higher than it actually is. Like, oh, all of Hollywood hinges on us being able to successfully film this film when literally every thing is being filmed right now regardless of what they're doing um it's not going to make or break but it is important that people appreciate oh the advantages that they're able to have when other people are are at home and can't work because of covid related situations that being said then i remember well tom cruise is actually an insane person and is pretty much the figurehead of a predatory scientology fake religion that exists still kind of because of him um and then i'm like yeah and now hearing you say that it's just because they were at a monitor like i was thinking like oh maybe a photo got out of them they were out without masks or something like that but hearing that oh they were standing a little too close at a monitor i'm like no okay (laughs) now that's that's all i needed like fair enough he's an insane person i appreciate tom cruise for the same reasons you appreciate tom cruise yes. obviously he's a he's a flawed person in real life Correct. that is at the very least and there's there are serious issues with his real how he goes about his real life but that being said i think tom cruise i i love the tom cruise movie he makes a watchable he, movie he makes a great movie he does go all out like you say um I think as long as you can acknowledge that like, okay, what he does in his real life is not good for other humans. um, You could still go and enjoy a mission impossible movie and not feel horrible about yourself. Um, But yeah. And then, so like there's more to this now because since then, apparently he had another outburst. Oh, I didn't hear about days later. Okay. And five members of the crew left and quit. 
the production as, because of the tension that increased after the original audio leaked online. Oh. There's no word on what started the second outburst, but obviously the reports of the crew members quitting are, are happening. Then uh, apparently production uh, shut down on Mission Impossible 7. Um, but not because of COVID protocols. It was because Tom started his Christmas break a little bit earlier than planned <laughs> with all the stress of everything that's going on on set and took his private jet to Miami to go see his son, Connor. Nice. So that also, according to the Sun, and they also report that finally, in addition to all of this, it's rumored and speculated that Tom Cruise is dating his co-star, Haley Adwell who is and... probably most known for playing uh, Peggy Carter in the Captain America oh. movies. Very interesting. So he's having a week. I feel like Nicole Kidman and uh, what's her name? Katie Holmes need to reach out to her and do a and little do an not interview. Do, it. do a little intervention. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I'm not, then I'm going to roll back my rolling. Because he is a, a, a little over the top, a little crazy. You know, he filmed something in my town and was less than generous with the population. So, um, and we may have entered into a um, verbal back and forth at one time. Regardless, uh, he is an impolite short man. Maybe I, I shouldn't say, well, at that time he was impolite. Maybe he's gotten better. Well, but yeah. it doesn't sound well, like yeah. it. Doesn't doesn't sound like it. He, yeah, you don't. Uh, Judging by his choice of words and the volume of his voice, it does not sound like he's polite. Very true. And if people are quitting, like if a union guy making fifty thousand dollars is going to walk off that movie because the guy making forty million dollars can't control himself, that's a problem. Yeah. Let's move on to some good COVID nineteen news. Hit me. Sir Ian McKellen of X-Men, Lord of the Rings. Excellent dude. Tweeted out a picture of himself getting the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine saying, quote, I feel very lucky to have had the vaccine. I would have no hesitation in recommending it to anyone. I'm going to roll with it. He, A, is totally about fan service. He never scoffs at a chance to give his lines, his famous, you shall not pass, things like that. He loves it. He's great on a talk show. He seems to genuinely care that he's famous. Like he cares about why he's famous, which is nice. He doesn't, he's not just like, Oh, I'm, I'm a famous person. So I don't need to do fan service. Right. Anymore. And to, to tell people that be like, listen, you guys make up your own mind. I'm not going to get political. I'm not going to advocate. I'm just going to say, I did it. It feels okay. I wouldn't have any problem promoting it. Good for him. I'm rolling with that. Yeah, I'm rolling with it too, just because like, let's roll through these vaccines and, yes. and get it to everyone already. I'm, I'm ready to take it. I'm just, I'm not, I'm going to be one of the last people taking it, but I'm, I'm so ready for it because I'm over all of this. Um, Finally, 
Jim Carrey. Ooh, talk about crazy. Made a statement on Twitter. Okay. In regard to his role on SNL as president-elect Joe Biden, he said, though my term was only meant to be six weeks, I was thrilled to be elected as your SNL president. Comedy's (laughs) highest call of duty. I would love to go forward knowing that Biden was the victor because I nailed that ish. But I am just one in a long line of proud fighting SNL Bidens. So he has retired from the role. Okay, that's what that means. Yep, that's what all of that meant. And um, for now, SNL has pushed Alex Moffat, one of their cast members, into, into the role. Uh, for the time being are you rolling or trolling with jim carrey stepping down from playing joe biden on snl i'm rolling i think he did a good job i think jim carrey is a funny man and like i think he did a funny job with the material he was given but like jason sudeikis did an excellent job he was so good president biden he was so good yeah like i wouldn't mind seeing him come back he had a, he definitely had a different take, you know. Jim Carrey equally, was basically Jim Carrey as Joe Biden. Yes. He was just being Jim Carrey, kind of. Yeah, so I'm rolling with He had with some that. of the mannerisms, but I'm rolling with it too because he wasn't really my favorite Biden. Agreed. I really liked Sudeikis. I thought I he was Sudeikis hysterical. Lot, yeah. Woody Harrelson wasn't bad. Yeah, for what he was given. Um, but I would say, like, if they could get Sudeikis back, that would be awesome. That would be tremendous. I just hope it doesn't cause a chain reaction that makes Baldwin retire because I really feel we've got another year of quality Trump material ahead yeah. of us. Like That's post, Because you, you know there's going to be something between now and the, and the 30 days between now and inauguration. Oh, absolutely. You know there's going to be tremendous comedy material in the immediate aftermath of him leaving the office. And I want, I want Baldwin to be the guy. That's all I'm saying. I, I also kind of like that they're promoting from within. Like, let's see what these yeah. guys can do. Yeah. You know, okay. like yeah. enough, it's, it was kind of cool seeing big names playing these roles, but like give, the, give the cast members a chance. I know people had some issues with Alec Baldwin being brought in originally because they were, they were bringing a lot of people from outside to play these, play these big roles. Mm. I I think it's, it's fair to like start giving these back to the cast members. Agreed. Okay. Well, it's my favorite time of year. It is. The Christmas season, the holiday season. So, we're doing something a little special as a little gift to you guys. Mm. Pull it up here. Since this will be coming out the week of Christmas, we are going to give you our top five Christmas songs and then our top five Christmas movies. So again, these are our opinions. They're just what we prefer. Um, Everyone can have their own top fives. But Neil, would you like to start us off with your number five? Yes. Now, let me preface this. Um, I did a couple things with my list. 
That's fair. I, I organized it. Like when I was going through my list, I intentionally left out things like Frosty the Snowman. I intentionally left out um, jing- Jingle Bells. Like I was looking for songs that really remind me it's Christmas. That like when I hear it, it puts me in a mood or it takes me to a special place. Um, I chose songs, you know, there is, there's one or two like, like real, you know, uh, that I would put in the same category as a Jingle Bells because they're so synonymous, but you know, so, all right, I'm going to start with my number five and my number five is, but it's not the song. It's specific to this performance. Okay. The little drummer boy by Bing Crosby and David Bowie. Okay. When that song comes on and anyone else sings it, I immediately turn it off. Like for some reason, I remember the visual of that. You know, he comes in, they're standing by the piano, they're singing that song. He's like, how about this one? Oh, that's a, my son loves that one. And very, very. And they do the thing. So like, that's my number five. Cause I, I definitely, when I see that, or when I hear them doing it, the picture in my mind is so clear that I had to put that in my top five. Yeah, I, I like it. I, you know, I, I mean, that's a classic. Sometimes the the length of the intro, you kind of got to skip a little yeah, bit just little to get bit. into the song. Um, I would recommend to you, it's it's funky. It's a, it's, it's a funky version. And really their entire Christmas album is funky, but it's, one of my favorite Christmas albums is Chicago. There's a really good version of Little Drummer Boy and every Christmas song that's on that album, they do a really good version of. So right. I would recommend for you listening to the Chicago Christmas album. Um, if you have like Apple Music or Spotify or something, um, that would be a good listen. I, listen, I think you would enjoy it. Um, my number five is... All I want for Christmas is you. Mariah I had a Carey. sense. Yeah. Now, this normally is much higher on my list, but recently it has just been so oversaturated and okay. overplayed okay. that I have had to move it down on my list. Legit. I do have a great memory of it. There was one. I was in high school, me and a whole group of my friends, we would go to the YMCA after school, like on Fridays, especially, and play pickup basketball. And there was, you know, maybe a week before Christmas, we all went and we were going. And for whatever reason, like we all just broke out into song and started singing (laughs) at the top of our lungs in the gym all I want for Christmas is you. It was like, it was, oh it was God. funny. It was ridiculous, but yeah. it, it was fun. It was a good time. I, that always stands out to me. So it'll always nice. have a you know like special little, little place. It'll always be in the top five, but it has fallen. That is the top to the bottom. That is, it almost made it in because it's an excellent song. Excellent song, but we it's, had to narrow it to five. It's too elite to not, have for me in the top five even with how play how played out it is okay that's very true you're four all right my number four now my number four 
is one that I just know is not in your um, list, not even in your pantheon. But it's another one where I feel like it's so calming and soothing. And it's so, like, reminds me of the season. It's John Lennon's So This Is Christmas. No, that's that's a... Yeah. That's a classic. It's a classic. Like, I didn't think, I didn't know if it'd make it in because it's like, it's off the beaten path of, mm-hmm. you know, the regular, but it's so, like I said, it's just like, it, it calms you down. Like the hustle and bustle of Christmas and you're like, oh, I gotta get this and somebody get the dip and they're coming at five o'clock. And then when this comes on, it just brings the mood down in the room and mellows everybody out and I, I just i like it i really it's it's one i reach for like of all the songs on the list and of all the you know like i think i've got 20 songs and then started yeah. narrowing them down narrowing them down like of the 20 these are the ones that i'd probably reach for i'd be like okay gotcha. let me listen to that one again let me listen to that one again yep. what's your number four so my number four is actually a recent discovery in the past couple of years, but it is pretty like well-known. I don't know how I hadn't heard it before. This version of it, I should say. Okay. So my number four is Silent Night, Ooh. but the Aaron Neville. Aaron Neville? I don't rendition. know how much. Yes. But I know Specifically because of how much I love doing the Aaron Neville voice yeah. as I'm singing along with it. I know. It's that. just, it's good. <laughs> it's so is, i will listen to that tonight. good it's uh it's it's great oh so that's God. been my favorite sing-along for the past two christmases now <laughs> has been silent night because i get to pretend i'm singing like aaron neville it's great i love it oh that's your awesome. number three okay my number three and my number three and my number two are by the same artist okay and so it's a little I don't know. It's a little like... I think I'm uh, going to know what these are. You may. Dean Martin is the artist. Oh, maybe not. Oh, okay. I'm okay. getting to the one I think you, you think I'm, I'm going I'm sure. To. That's got to be I number think one. You think I think you okay. think. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, but so for number three... Okay, Dean Martin. Dean Martin for number three, it is Let It Snow. Okay. That's a good one. Let It Snow, Let It Snow. And it's like he's, you know smooth like his voice is very smooth and he's having fun with it and it's one of those things where um you've you've heard it in every christmas movie at some point let it snow comes on whether it's in the credits whether it's in you know the father's out looking for toys and he can't find it and he has to walk in the blizzard or do something and let it snow comes on like that's that's something that reminds me of uh, of Christmas that I like. I like the letters. Like and it. it's a quick song too. You're yeah, it's out. nice and, yep, exactly. Um, my number three that I thought you were going to have on your list, I don't know if you do, uh-huh. is Last Christmas by oh. George Michael. George Michael. I, I almost did. I have it Again, in my list of 20. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's it's got a great vibe. Yeah. It I just, again, I like the song the christmas songs where you could really sing along to them yeah so like this is a great another great one to sing along to and if you time the the, where he whispers happy christmas like that 
just makes me laugh every time awesome it's just just you know it makes you feel good it's a great great song uh it's just i'm like it was hard it was so almost like rethinking oh should i have my list yeah i'm doing the same thing it's tough to narrow it down to five but Uh, you know we do what we can and maybe it changes next year maybe it changes next year my number two is controversial okay but i i maintain oh i know what it's not i know i maintain that it's not as it's been purported to be uh baby it's cold outside by dean martin it's there's many versions of course i again dean martin smooth calm you know it's a nice like like uh, you you're like you're at home with your wife or your significant other or something and you're you know it's a it's a december night it maybe it's not christmas but it's the december night the song comes on you're there it's like it just reminds me it gives me a feeling of like niceness like i know i know it's gotten this bad rap but like it does have a it does have a little bit of a predatory vibe but it's a it's a good song if you're taking it as if you're making the assumption that it's not what people People you know joke around that it is as originally intended i i think it it was supposed to just be a nice playful duet um you know i then it's it's a really great song and it's a great again that's a good sing-along song because that you could be singing one person singing one part and the other person singing another part it's a good um, sing-along so song. It's a nice. I, I think Christmas if you're going to put it on a list, it, it belongs there. I, I don't. I don't belongs mind it. it. I don't mind it. Putting it, it there. Um, my number two. I'm going with. It's the most wonderful time of the year, with Andy All Williams. Because right. again, yep. now this one, when you're singing along to it, this is yes. like the loud, bombastic, the loud like it's triumphant most... song. Yes. You know. So this is a great one just to like I'm be so shouting at the top of your lungs. Yes. Um, so that is why that's my number two because that makes that song for me signals. Okay, we're here. Yes. It's Christmas. We're here. It's the Christmas season. It's the most I... wonderful time of the year. Christmas I agree with you 100%. I agree with you. And in, in my bracket, the way I did my bracket, it didn't be the song to get in. But it was so close to getting in because, as I said before, with Let It Snow, that is in every Christmas movie. Yep. It is just in everyone. And like you feel it. And, it's, and they usually work it well for humor. Mm-hmm. Once again, they, like, they usually use it when someone's exasperated yeah and then and it's like it's the most wonderful and then you get a big laugh out of it so i like that i really like it's a great choice that's a great choice thank you my number one my numero eins okay is is maybe not a song that i like i only reach for this in during christmas time but i it's beloved for me because I have so I have such fond memories of watching the film as a child, White Christmas. White Christmas is for me my it's a wonderful life. Yep. Like some people have, you know, th- this is my Christmas movie. That's my Christmas movie, or it's a wonderful life is the Christmas. For me, it's White Christmas. 
And Bing Crosby's White Christmas is unparalleled, just unparalleled. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I forgot about White Christmas oh and had, I, I don't know how, had I not forgotten it, it probably, that would have made my top five. It. Yeah. That would have made it. That would have made it. I, I think, I think all I want for Christmas is you might've gotten the boot. Oh, interesting. In favor of that. Interest. Very interesting. Yeah. It's yeah. just a good all around, like it's tame. It's, it's soothing. It's nice. It makes you feel good. It's got an emotion to it. And then if you have a memory of the movie, like if you've watched the movie, then it takes on a whole nother meaning. Cause it's like, you know, there was a war aspect to it. There was a family aspect to it. So it was just like, it's an all around great, you know, it's the standard. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to go with a very interesting classic. It's yeah. not only my favorite Christmas song, it's legitimately like one of my favorite songs, period. One of your favorite songs, a legitimate classic. This is simply the Christmas song. Oh, Nat dude. King Cole. Yes. It's, it's the perfect, it's titled the Christmas song. Look, it is literally the perfect Christmas song. Nat King Cole. Just his silky, silky voice, silky smooth, crooning over that nice, soft tune. It's That's just a great I, pick. I love, love, love that song. That's a love great it. pick. Oh man, that's a great pick. I I appreciate that. I have that on my Eisen's McPod, um, but I have the Frank Sinatra version. Oh, there you go. Have yourself. I'm a telling you, Christmas. the Nat King Cole version. That is yeah. where it's at. Do you do you want to know? like not to rewrite my list but do you want to know what was hard for me not to put on because i love listening bruce to yes Santa i Claus thought when you said two appearances i yeah. didn't think it was too dean i thought it was going to be the two bruce christmas songs because I, of how much you love bruce oh, springsteen i love bruce springsteen but i had to do like a legit uh, yeah deep that's dive fair into this. hey all right let's get into our top five christmas movies since you led off for the songs i will lead off take it away the movies and my number five there's a caveat to this number five Hmm. and that is because i'm about to rewatch it again okay and i haven't seen it for a little while so i'm reserving the option to later put it higher on my list okay so my number five right now is it's a wonderful life and d- that is my number five. Okay, so let's discuss it's wonderful. Yeah. It's a wonderful life because we have the same, the same number, number five. five. Yeah. Um, I think it's really a like when you really think about it, it is a wild out there movie for the time, the time that it, it came was out. Made. Correct. You have just the opening are like God as a little star cluster talking to Joseph as another star cluster about what's going on with George Bailey on earth and calling over Clarence a star. And like he glides over over. and they're talking and George Bailey is suicidal. Right. It's, It's like dark, but it's, but by the end it's just uplifting and it like, 
it, that, it's a it's a great movie and unbelievable that they made that movie <laughs> at the time you that is well described you know the the over overtones of suicidalness uh the bleakness of life yeah but then the, the crazy out there know, fantasy elements of fantasy it like make believe elements of it all it's it it is tremendous and and like you said for a movie for that movie to get made at that time but it here's the other thing it ran all the time yeah like so there's yeah. people that are now like fed up with it just because it ran all fair. the time but i i did i put it in the top five because it has it well a couple of reasons actually specific to this year but it has all that status that you just talked about it is so like my family and my friends will take care of me like if i do the right thing yep and if i'm a nice guy it matters your life matters like that's it's such a great message for a christmas movie mm-hmm. um the second reason is I'm actually in uh, It's a Wonderful Life. I'm in the radio production that my local high school has done. Um, they asked me to be a part of it, so that was nice. Oh, there you I, go. I brought my vocal stylings. Good for but you. yeah, so there you go. All right, I like it. Both same number five. All Our right. number fours will definitely differ. Okay. So go ahead, sir. My number four is Home Alone. Ah, Okay. This is just one that I just, I watch it every single year. Regardless, it is one of my wife's favorites. We always watch Home Alone 1 and 2 together. I personally prefer the first to the second. Um, The second's good, but I I enjoyed the first. I think it's just a wild concept again. Yep. It's like... The, the kid like it's an interesting concept like oh the kids home alone like what would they do home alone and but it happens to be christmas time but then oh yeah there's there's robber there's burglars around the neighborhood and we're just not gonna have the kid call the police we're just gonna yeah. have him we're gonna handle trap the entire house um so i i think macaulay culkin i listen he's job. had his issues but man what a talent. Not easy to be a child what a star. Talent. But what a talent. Unbelievable. Yeah. His comedic timing is just like ridiculous. Ridiculous. And he's seven. And he really did. Like, absolutely. Did a tremendous job. Like you said, the timing, the talent. And Joe Pesci, Excellent. and I, I apologize for not knowing the other guy's name. Daniel Stern. His, Daniel Stern. Hysterical. Absolutely. So and, hysterical. And someone who would have been unsung probably gets the chewy medal of honor Catherine o'hara Catherine is O'Hara also great in that movie and very very funny very very funny and exactly reacts exactly how a mom would react in the situation in that situation 100 percent correct she relived that scene did you yes, see that i saw that that's yeah. actually from home alone 2 i think when she is faints because they're in line at the airport that's when he makes it to you're the right. airport you're right but you're he right. doesn't right. make it on the plane correct they're handing the bags to each other and then she falls backwards okay but yeah that's right that's right but she I did like just reenact it. Yeah. it it was so good and she went for it too she went backwards oh, yeah. like i it's like great. it Catherine harris doing an amazing job yeah. her her stint on schitt's creek it might be some of the best acting 
that's been on television. Like it's, she's so good. She just, she goes for it. Um, my number, number four. four is, and we've talked about this before, a Christmas story. Okay. Yep. My number four is a Christmas story. So it's got, and, and, you know, I put it on the watch list for you. Yes, you did. It's got a couple of things. It's got elements that are remembered. Like you said, like, oh, there's that scene. Oh, there's talking to Santa and Santa goes, ho, 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 kicks him down the slide because he forgets what he wants. The bumpuses and their dogs and the craziness. The old man being kind of surly, but also like just sweet. knows that he got a, but sweet. He knows he got a crap award, but he thinks it's the best thing ever. And the wife's yeah. so embarrassed to have it in the window. Like, and, and then, you know, you having to like the present that you got from the relative that gave you a terrible present, you know, uh, asking for something, praying that you're going to get something, you know, the, the feeling of not getting it. Then you do when he gets his, his BB gun. And then obviously having your naysaying parent, whether it's the mother or the father, be like, you shouldn't get that. You're going to shoot your eye out or that's a waste or you're blah, blah, blah. Like it's just got elements that I think every family at some point can relate to. Yeah. I love that. Absolutely. Movie. It's just so good. And it's, it's easy to just kind of fall into. Well, everyone, I, I'm not going to dive into it at all because everyone you could go back a couple podcasts and hear all my thoughts about christmas story it did not make my top five but uh you know i can't knock you for having it there There um it is a much beloved movie my number three is definitely on your list okay so what i'm gonna do is i'm just gonna say what it is and then we could talk about it once we get to it on your list and that's white christmas do you know it's my number three Oh my God. No, I didn't know that. Okay. Let's just talk about it now. Yes. White Christmas is just, you got to have one on here that is like, it just feels so right that it's a musical and that there's not that many musical Christmas movies when you really think about it. No. So like, it's so appropriate that this one is and exists. It's old school. It's yeah, Bing Crosby. It's yeah, I I forget the other guy's name. Uh, Kane, Danny K. Danny K. Danny K. Danny K. It's um, uh, George Clooney's aunt. That's right, uh, Rosemary Clooney. Yep, Rosemary Clooney. Um, and it's just it's a classic. And if you could get into kind of the old old school way that they made movies and stuff like that, it's really a great story. It's entertaining. A lot of singing and dancing. It's like almost like you're watching an old play or an old Broadway show or something like that. Um, and it's, it's just, you know, it's nostalgic, even though I wasn't born then, obviously, you know, I think me and you, we both watched that movie a lot when, you know, growing up, when it, growing for whatever up, reason, definitely um, watched we it watched it a lot. So that is, that's in there at number three for me. What are your, what are your thoughts on it? I, my thoughts are the same as yours. I, uh, the reason I think we watched it a lot was there's a military element and, and we had, you know, grandparents that had served. I think I like, yep. we enjoyed that aspect. The military was big with us as kids. Um, but also while it is a Christmas movie and while everything is really tinged towards Christmas. And like you said, that musical element, 
you know, there was Holiday Inn and there was a few other ones. Um, actually, the song White Christmas is from Holiday Inn. Um, but it's, it's a long film and it's got, uh, what's the word? Not scenes, but like sequences, whole yeah. dancing and everything sequences that have nothing to do with Christmas. No, they do. that's true. Especially like Danny Kaye goes on oh. one wild dance Sequence. which is my favorite you know, thing it's so it's, funny it's hysterical watching it now the choreography yes. but back oh. then people must have been like whenever that came out the 50s or yes. whatever it is there, nowadays and, we all understand what was going on back then true. they had no idea they had no idea and he was absolutely on par with Bing crosby he was a tremendous talent danny k Oh, unbelievable. But here's yeah. the thing. I think the other reason why like we dug it so much as kids and it would be good for kids that like, if you have brothers that are close or cousins like we are that were close in age, like it was a buddy movie. Yes. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, like Abin Costello is a buddy movie, like um, the road to movies with Bing Crosby and, and um, oh my God. Uh, uh, Bob Hope. Like, it's a buddy comedy. It's a buddy movie. They go to war together. They come out and they go That's into right. show business together. They play off one another. There's like a serious one. There's Danny Kay, the wacky, funny one. Like, it's, it, there's so much there for everyone. So that's why. There we go. Great. Number three. You're awesome. number two, sir. Okay. My number two probably wouldn't make it on most people's top five list. But it is a personal favorite of mine. And that is Drew, or sorry, Drew, Jim Carrey's yeah. The Grinch. Ah, that's my number six. I love yeah. The Grinch. I can quote literally every <laughs> single line. Every line. I think it is under the radar Jim Carrey's best performance ever. It might be because he, he is so good. all his talent. It's he puts everything into it. Yeah. Every line of that movie is quotable. Is quotable and funny. And it goes like I think it's starting to become a classic as yes. people of our generation have gotten older now and are showing it to their kids and stuff yeah. because we grew up with it. You know, this came out when we were kids. True. Um so now it's being more and more appreciated as time goes on. I think it will climb people's favorites list. I agree. Um, I, I just, I love, I can watch that movie multiple times every Christmas season. And it's just, I, I laugh every time, every single line I laugh at. That's a good, that's a good point. Like it does not age on me. Like I'm still, laughing at it i'm still enjoying it, yeah you know there's things like on my list like my number two um was i think your number four um home alone okay so like we don't have to do a deep dive but in reference to the grinch like i love home alone i love it but it's on my list because it's near and dear to my heart i grew up with it it's my christmas movie um i'm not quoting it I'm not watching it when it's not Christmas. You know, The Grinch, that is a great film. Like, that is just funny. It's something's happening. It's action. He's throwing himself yep. into it. 
But just to just to tag on briefly, so like my number two, Home Alone. Um, you mentioned Joe Pesci. Uh, he is probably best known for Goodfellas and Casino. He's probably best known for, you know, playing the heavy, playing like a real intense crazy character. To given, think about, given exactly. how short of stature he was. And for us, our first encounter with him Is home was alone. Home Alone. Like, so, you know, it's a testament to how good he is because I went into Goodfellas being like, oh, that's Marv. Right. And, and he, he won me over. And maybe you even get like, you probably get my cousin Vinny before you get to Goodfellas and Casino as well. That's right. Oh, yeah, that's a good point that you have more of the comedic stuff that you're going to see first and and then to see the transformation. Yeah. is yeah which i think i think actors and i think we might have talked about this too like and you know when you have a i think comedians can do drama but dramatic actors can't do comedy right you know and joe pesci from jersey by the way jersey represent yes, he is uh knew the four seasons also from jersey represent um he's a comedic actor like i think i think joe pesci uh, if anybody watches the Lethal Weapons from Lethal Weapon 2 through 4, Joe Pesci is a highlight of all of those films. Like of all the bad, like they get a little worse yeah. as they go on. Joe Pesci never gets worse. No, of course not. He's hysterically funny. Not to go off off too yeah, much yeah. and I'll just leave it at this. That's the what you talk about there is the reason why Tom Hanks is my favorite actor of all time is because uh-huh. I don't think anyone can do both comedy and drama as good as he can. That's just interesting, not interesting uh, argument. Not have. saying that he's the best dramatic actor ever right. or the best comedic af- but actor ever, but I don't best. think anyone can do both as at well the as level can. that he can do both. That's an interesting distinction. That's an interesting distinction. I like that. I'm going to think about that now. I like that. So what's your number one, sir? So my number one, which I I think we're going to share this, is Elf. Oh, I did not see that coming. My number one is Elf. I did not crack my top five. Again, I this is a personal favorite of mine. I think this is. It runs a little long, Mm. but I think this is a perfect Christmas movie. I think it has every element you need in Christmas. And I also think it's a very under the radar, like possibly the best. And I'm going off the top of my head, possibly the best fish out of water movie that we've gotten Yeah, in terms of you're taking someone out of their element and putting and them on, in a yeah. completely opposite element. So, like, maybe you have something like Splash. Right. It's that degree. You have something like, I don't know, the, that Enchanted movie with Amy yeah, Adams. Like, you have that. Too. Like, the, things like that, right? Where you're taking someone so out of place and putting them in the scenario. And right. I don't think any movie does that as good as Elf. Like, every element that they put of Will Ferrell being an elf is now in yeah. new york city it's all like spot on it's and hysterical all right 
I like I I respect it. It's not in my top five, and and here's why. I think you're right. I think they do a great job of um, fish out of water. He's funny. Every you know he's there's not it's not a dud, but it's so. And I don't want to say over the top because we both love the Grinch, and the Grinch is definitely over the top. It's just like it's it's so what it is and nothing else like it's just this and it's nothing that's, else. Like, i think that's why i like it the most i think that's probably why i have the grinch and elf as my top two movies because yeah. they are christmas movies so like my favorite movie of all time as you know and yes. as we will talk about is die hard Right. I did not include Die Hard on this list just because like the only reason why it's not on this list is because it's really an action movie first. Yes, I believe yeah. it's a Christmas movie, but uh, movies can be more than one thing. And I think True. because it's primarily an action movie, I wasn't going to put it in front of a movie that's primarily a Christmas movie. Elf and the Grinch are only Christmas movies. They like, are there's only no, yes, Christmas. they're comedies, but you know, right. they're really, they're Christmas movies. See, White Christmas is not strictly a Christmas movie like we spoke about. That's right. a, co- a combination, right? Home Alone is Christmas, but it's more of like a crazy, like heist comedy. True. With, where the surroundings are Christmas. And I, it's myself. a Wonderful Life is like a drama of about a, guy who's going to commit suicide and that's True. taking place during christmas so like elf I'm is gonna just tell you, though, christmas that's what it is i put die hard as my number one okay and i'm gonna tell you why i'm gonna okay. tell you why and and, and we're you know we're going to talk specifically about die hard but the reason it's number one on this list is of all the christmas movies i wrote down as i was narrowing this is the one I kept reaching for. Like if I had That's to fair. watch, I, I don't blame you, know, you for it. Yeah. If I had to it watch would... a Christmas movie over and over again, like, yeah. like I'm going to, I'll give you an example of what didn't make the list. That was a hard, a hard um, pass for me. Like I, I didn't want to pass on it. Um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah. Didn't make my, yep. my top five. That's but fair. Like, that's a movie that is excellent as funny as excellent as holy christmas you know everybody can relate to um that i watch every year but this is the one i would reach for so do you want to dive into our die hard discussion let's dive into die hard yeah i mean obviously die again die hard is my favorite movie yes and it is very much in my eyes uh, when people have the debate of whether or not it's a christmas movie in my eyes it's a christmas movie i just i kind of put the twist on my list and i i made it movies that are christmas first not action first and i will say for me die hard is action first so i just it could have been number one on my list like you i just decided to just you know Change the rules of my list. So it, it didn't make number one uh, on a technicality, basically. Very legit. Um, Die Hard. We just Die watched it. Hard. We did just watch it. We did it. a little oh, a watch party online, which was nice. We got to watch it together. That, that was, was nice. fun. Um, Die Hard is... So, like, aside from it being my favorite movie, we've established that. So, like, 
uh, in I'm going to say unbiased. It is the best action film ever made. I'm going to agree with you and I'm going to qualify my agreement with this. It's the best action film that's ever been made because its formula has been copied over and over and over again, including like some would say, well, you know, well, the, but it's not a buddy cop movie, but it is like him and Al, Al Pal, uh, I, for, oh my God, Reginald Van, jo- Val Johnson. Van Johnson, Val Johnson, like they're buddy cops that counts that qualifies. And it's, you know, it's a white cop and a black cop. There's diversity, not just there, but like you, you have a, an, a, an Asian uh, company that's in the middle of, of everything here. You have um, the group that's taking over. Yep. You have Alan Rickman. You've got actors of all different backgrounds as well, which I think as I was watching the movie, I was like, it deserves mentioning that it's a very diverse cast. Oh, yeah. And not only is it a diverse cast, but people have jobs to do. Like, like it's not just, you know, and, and in the early 80s, it would have been easy for them to go a certain way, but it's not just the white guys that are leading the cast. Like, everyone, yeah, there's a huge absolutely. diversity, and, and every character that's there, regardless of background, has a job to do and has screen time and is doing well at it. Yes, they are. So that formula has, has transcended Die Hard. So I, I think it is. I think it's a perfect action film yeah now every movie is every action film for the most part Mm. is some version of die hard you have die hard on the bus on a bus in speed right you have die hard on a train was that uh steven seagal movie you have we've had two die hards in the white house movies correct it's just it goes on and on we always get diehard movies um which i think is great um let's talk about the cast of characters that we get starting with john mcclain who's again just like perfect pitch perfect 1980s the everyman which is hard to say now knowing um bruce willis now but in, in, ni- in the 1980s, Bruce Willis was the everyman. He's like a small, balding, white guy who's in the wrong place at the wrong time. And New York City cop, very relatable. You cop. see, especially like this was made, I think this was 1989 when this came out. So you're getting to the end of those big, um, those big like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone action movies where everyone is just roided up and, and, you know, and stuff like that. And then in comes Bruce Willis and, you know, he's a, he's a smaller guy and he, yeah, he looks more like a a regular person that you're going to see on the street. He's not like a huge bodybuilder. Um, this over-the-top action hero, which I think, like, listen, I, I almost kind of compare it to, um, like, the Marvel comics. Okay. When they first got started with, like, 
Fantastic Four and yeah. Spider-Man and all that when they were competing with like DC. So you had Superman was the big right. one, right? That they were competing against those superheroes that were all perfect. And then Stan Lee comes along and all of a sudden he's creating these characters that are relatable to people that yeah, they could see emotions. themselves in. Right. They have emotions. They're not these perfect people. There are certain dynamics. You have Fantastic Four. They're a family and they're trying yeah. to figure themselves out. And you have, you know, not all of them like that they have powers. And, you know, like the thing, he feels like he's hideous. And how does he go through life looking the way he does now? And then right. you've got Spider-Man he was just a kid and he's poor and he's got a sick aunt and he has real life problems that everyone else has. They kind of did the same thing, but action movie version where you have John McClane, he's a New York cop. He, you even see because he's got the tank top on, he's got the scar on his shoulder. He's going through marital issues. He hasn't seen his kids in however long. Well, let's, let's talk about that for a second. Like, so Die Hard, everybody's going to, the casual observer is going to say, oh, Die Hard. The terrorists take over a building. Bruce Willis has to save everybody. Well, let's talk about, there's like eight or nine. We're not going to go into all of them, but there's like eight or nine storylines in this movie. Within it. Yeah. And they all get resolved. Yes. Like they're all, it's not we like. We get oh, a payoff for everything. Into, we get a payoff for everything. You've got his marital troubles, like you mentioned. You've got uh, Reginald Van Johnson. Uh, John, You've got Reginald Vell Johnson. Vell Johnson. We're going to call him Al Pal. Al. Okay, Al. You've got Al's problem where he was on the street. Then now he's like, he was kind of pushing paperwork because he shot a kid. All right. And, you know, which is a touchy subject nowadays because there's been issues. But, of course. You know, he, the kid had a ray gun, looked real enough. That was the line from the movie. He fired and it's killing him inside, it's eating him up but he redeems himself. You've got the terrorists saying, you know, saying one thing, but really they're there they're for just, a different purpose. Yeah. Really. They're just robbing the place. They're not terrorists. You've got even Argyle has a little bit of a storyline. This yeah. is his first fair. He's like, right. Oh, it's my first job, man. I'm like, you know, let's go. What do you want me to do? You want me to I hang used to out? Be a t- I'm, I'm used to being a, a cab driver. Usually right. people expect me to talk, right. but now I'm driving a limo. You've got the feds who are going to do, they're going to do their playbook and, and the terrorists were counting on that. It's, there's a story, like everything, even, even the reporter, you know, has his agenda, right? The reporter's got his agenda. And again, there's like, he shows up at the house and he makes an INS reference. It's not even INS anymore. It's ice. But like he made, he's like, listen, lady, and they've got this Spanish nanny or whatever, you know, let me in this house or, and he makes this threat to her. There's just, there's so much there, but I made this comment to you uh, when we were watching it, you get 40 minutes into the movie without meeting 20% of the the cast that's going to be of the main characters. You don't meet the reporter. You don't meet Al you know, until you get deep in, you don't meet deputy Dwayne, deputy chief Dwayne, Dwayne T. Robinson, Dwayne T. Robinson. 
it's it's deep like it's just and each it's paced perfectly and that even, was the comment it is paced perfectly and yeah. even then like you're you get things from the beginning that set things up for yes. later on so you yes. get just the very first time you see him you have the guy tell him oh you don't like flying what i do is i take my shoes off and i curl my feet on the carpet right. so Which, later on when he does that he does it but then the right. terrorists come and now he's going around barefoot the rest of the time rescuing people and oh that's going to come back again because um be glass all over the floor because there's going to be glass all over the floor because obviously um, what's his name? Hans Gruber realizes that he didn't have shoes on. You get things like you noticed for the first time, the Rolex that that Ellis tries to have, um, tries to have John McClane's wife, Holly Gennaro. He's, she first sees john for the first time after yes. what months it must have been and he's like show him the watch yeah, that show you got. Him the watch. and it's a rolex and just being a jerk and she's like oh whatever and then later on at the very end of the movie when hans gruber's hanging on to her wrist trying not to fall out the, the off the building they unclasp that rolex and oh. that's what and saves what her from falling with Hans. He's like, let me get rid of this nonsense from this jerk. What a what a magnificent scumbag. Oh my god. Ellis I'll... was. He played a perfect I'm gonna shout out the actor. Hart Boschner is his name. Or Boschner. Hart Boschner. What a tremendous job he did at making us hate him. And I even like the small, like, again, there's so many small touches too. Like, even when they're setting up, like, when Argyle comes to pick him up in the limo, yes. he sits in the front of the limo. Sits in the front. Like, they're showing he's not used to all this stuff. He's not Hollywood. Yeah. He's from New York. He doesn't do any of this stuff. And, and just every, every side comment yes. that John, like, John McClane, listen, there's famous lines from Terminator. You have All Be Back. Like, you have famous action lines i don't think there's a more quotable action hero than john mcclain there's some that you might not be able to quote in front of people under a certain age true but there is not a more quotable action star than john mcclain i agree with that i agree with that from i'll tell you what though i'll say this across one film there is not a more quotable action star than john mcclain Correct. That's one film. That's fair. There's so much in just that one film. But he, like, if we were going to give the Chewy Medal of Honor to someone, it's got to be Argyle, who saves the day by thwarting the escape. Yes. Like, Argyle has nothing to do for With an anything. hour and five he's minutes. partying in the limo. Yes, for two hours and five minutes. He's partying in the limo. P.S., that's a, that's a movie that's over two hours long. And you don't even realize it. You don't even realize. You don't even feel it. But let's talk about some things. Like, look, I I made some notes here. This is a pre-cell phone film. 1988. And that doesn't take you out of it, though. It doesn't take you out of it. Like, it's understood that that's the era it's in. Maybe people, younger people now, not even realizing that cell phones never existed. Right. It might might be more difficult, but... Anyways, 
but like also, and I remember the tail end of this and I like, maybe, you know, you do as well. Um, smoking everywhere, including the airport and on a plane. Yep. Okay. That's not a thing. Not a thing. Did not age well. Here's how, how also carrying your gun on the plane. Yeah. And not no. checking it with your baggage and everything nope. else. Not going to happen. Um, Even being a cop. Right. Like I was looking at those things and it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't take me out of it. And I don't think it would take a new watcher out of it because I think they're going to be so ensconced in the action and the storyline and the fun and the everything else. But of all the side stories and everything else, I feel like the movie gets better the older you get. Like as a kid, it's like, oh, look at the action. He's jumping off the thing. He's doing this now. I love it. I love it. And then the older I get as a watcher of it, I appreciate more elements of the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Which makes it so great. Like you just, you grow with the movie. It's, it's excellent. Um, the 80s touchscreen technology in the lobby. So cute that they thought so that that was a big thing. Yeah, it's, and also it, it introduces that she, she kept her original name, Gennaro her maiden name absolutely which yep. adds to the storyline about the family background but but also that's what helps keep him hidden for as long as he was hidden because no one realizes that they're married um so the touchscreen stuff was great I, I will say this though the one part that was not believable is that bruce will like john mcclain didn't tell this the fake security guard like they're the only or not the real at that point the real security guard He's like, oh, I'm looking for Holly Janeiro. Oh, look on the touchscreen. He goes through two minutes of touchscreen stuff, depresses himself that her name is Gennaro, not McLean. And then he's like, oh, the 30th floor. And the guy goes, well, they're the only ones left in the building. It's the Christmas party. Well, what the hell did I go through all this for? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. What am I futzing around with the computer for if you could have just been like, yeah, go to the 30th floor. If she's here, she's there. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I, think, I think I said it to you while we were watching if I had one nitpick, which isn't a real nitpick for me because right. it doesn't bother me at all because I, I roll with it, but their use of walkie-talkies are not how walkie-talkies are used because when you yes. have a walkie-talkie, if you're holding down the button, nobody else can talk. Not in, not in this movie. In this yeah. movie, you can interrupt people while they're on the walkie-talkie. Like, that's forth. complete. Like, their walkie-talkie this was not very consistent in the movie but i'm more than willing to overlook it a hundred percent and the only reason um, why i noticed something like that is because i've seen this movie more than any other movie <laughs> which is uh, fair and understandable uh the bruce willis with hair i think is the better bruce willis um the like having multiple flashbang grenades i think was interesting the use of flashbangs, mm -hmm. the fact that they have rockets, like they're well-financed. Um, but here's the thing. Before we get into the lead terrorist, the lead bad guy, let's talk about the fact that, again, 1988, this is a, you know, a pre-9-11 world. This is a pre-redefinition of terror. 
and you've got the, this group and they throw that word around like they, you know, the feds yeah. and the everything is, Oh, we got terrorists inside with X number of hostages. And blah, blah, blah. I feel like an audience watching now will like, that's the one thing they'll stumble on. I think, you know, I mean, it's not going to take them out of it. It's not going to take them out of it, but like there's an understanding now that is so different than when we were watching that movie for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know because I'm not like in that place. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't know if that would really take people out on it. If anything, I think people would understand the situation more now. Well, maybe, like, yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe no, they'd appreciate, they would take yeah. it really serious, like kind of like they're doing and, and stuff like that. I, I think if you ha- throw around the word terrorist, you're, it's not taking an hour for the FBI to show up. I think, right. I think everyone's show up showing up, including like the military. Yep. Um, so like that might be like, oh, what's going on here for people? But um, otherwise, I don't think so. But let's get into possibly the highlight of the movie which is crazy to say because we have john mcclane and all these Correct. amazing scenes it's alan rickman as me again like i know i rave and i go overboard with my praise of this movie but my favorite action movie villain of all time hans totally gruber understandable hans gruber is possibly the best action movie villain ever without a doubt he is the definition of a smooth criminal yeah and again it's because they flip it on its head right Mm -hmm. where he's not this big like oh i'm gonna be in the big fight with you at the end stuff like that he is the mastermind he's very european he's wearing a fine tailored suit he knows everything Uh, like he reads time magazine and quotes it in the movie and like oh i read it in an article and he is cerebral like yeah and cerebral yeah but absolutely cold-blooded too he and they illustrate it because he kills multiple people just without any hesitation i'm gonna count to three and when i get to three you better tell me what i want or i'm gonna kill you that is and and just that's right and that conviction that commitment makes him scary yep it's like oh he means it that's it he's he's gonna kill you like we've seen this we're watching you know watch out ellis he's not fooling around um he all the things you just mentioned very european very urbane very uh intelligent smooth has a purpose starts to get frazzled at the end you know when things aren't going according to the plan that he set down very full of himself but what i loved was his his introduction like he's he's on the scene for a good chunk of time before he says his first words yep and you know they they show you know obviously they do the trope where we we see him from behind first and then he comes in but like when they reveal him, like you said, he's not what you expect. But then immediately they dive into selling him on or selling you on him being an evil, evil guy. And there's something about like that they understood, like the quiet ones that you got to watch out for. Yeah. You know, where he's 
again, like you said, with his introduction, he comes in, he's very calm. There's chaos around them kind of gathering up the hostages, going through the rooms and all this stuff. Right. And then finally every, everyone's gathered in the, the, um, like lobby, the lobby area. And they're screaming and stuff. And he just quietly like, gets their attention and goes into his speech of what they're doing there and ladies and gentlemen (laughs) yeah exactly very business-like just and and he's got a little like day planner yeah and it kind of makes him more evil uh he but his line and we both laughed at this which it's like it's funny but it is also evil because of the way he throws it away. It's like, you know, well, Mr. Takagi won't be joining us for the rest of his life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and, then, and then just slides just into had, his next thing. There's just an extra bit of just oh, sass thrown yes. in there. That's just for like this guy. It, it was so good. And it's, it's so obvious why Alan Rickman who by all accounts in real life is one of the sweetest people. Yeah. RIP. Supposedly he was just such a kind man in, in real life in reality. Um, so the antithesis of, of his like evil characters that he's played, but it like, he's such a great actor and it makes so mm-hmm. much sense that he would go on to play like a Severus Snape you know that's evil but not evil but like he's that conflicted he's got that thing and he's and he's got to play it where he's um subdued he's not in your face correct that was correct yeah you know he just it was just like it was such a loss to lose alan rickman it was such a loss oh yeah because he was never not making good work or doing good work without a doubt and like shout out to his um, pretend American impression. That's yeah, funny. right. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, and also, so I believe this is a story. I I think I read this somewhere. They did like there was a big article about just Die Hard in general and how they yeah. made it stuff like that. And so there's the scene where he meets his demise, right? Where he right. F- falls when the the clasp of the Rolex gets unclasped and he, he slips and he falls. I believe, and I may be wrong on this, so I apologize if I am. Um, but I believe the story behind that was he's obviously behind a, uh, there's a green yes. screen and he didn't know that they were going to pull whatever the stool out from under him. Yeah. And he was kind of adamant that he wanted like, to be like right. told and they pulled it out from under him. And that's a legitimate face that he's making. Cause he didn't realize he was about to fall the I way that he it. fell. He, and that scene, which I'm glad they did that then because it he makes a perfect so face. real. It's perfect. He makes a perfect face. It was so real. So perfect. You're, you're worried, like, is he going to get the gun around in time to shoot him? Mm-hmm. As he's, it was just, everything was working. Everything and we talk working. about, like, we talked about earlier in the podcast how, like, that season finale of The Mandalorian, they went for it. 
Yes. Like Die Hard is a movie where I feel like they had so many great ideas and they just went for it. They were like, we're putting everything in this movie. He's going to be, you know, back talking the bad guys as he's taking them down. He's going to jump off the roof as it explodes. He's going to have to walk across the glass in his bare feet. You're going to have the, the, um, whatchamacallit, the, the big blonde bad guy, Carl, Carl, come back from the dead for one last shot where, um, where Sergeant Al Pal is going to come out of his funk and, and take him down and get past the fact that he, you know, shot an innocent. Um, it's just, it's a perfect movie. I love it perfect film and just like i said something i reach for constantly it's it's got every element you want in it the ending the reactions you talk about like i'll leave with this well we can end on this talk about great faces i always mention this i definitely mentioned it when we were watching it when bruce willis jumps off the roof swings into the glass and then the hose like metal part of the hose that was holding it together falls and starts to pull him out of the window when he finally gets it loose he gives such a bruce willis face yeah of like like pissed offness i love it like i live like i can't moment. believe i just survived that right but like pissed about it yeah like, like jesus i'm like enough like this too I love it. Like it was just so good. It just everything about it is tremendous. And I mean, that was basically like again another early Christmas gift. I got to spend an inordinate amount of time on a podcast talking about Die Hard. Maybe. That was great. I love it. Um, so let's end on. I think we should bring back suggested for you. Yes. For next week, it will be a post-Christmas suggested for you. So this will probably be the first in a while where we don't really have a theme that we're going on. We're just True. kind of, it's what we're feeling. So I have a bit of a theme. Okay. Then you, you lead the way. I'm going to lead. Because it is, it is watchable on HBO Max. It's streamable. Streamable on HBO Max, which I know you have. Um, it's a classic. It's been made, remade. We discussed the remakes. Okay. Um, it is not a musical. However, there is a musical number in it. Okay. It is the original Ocean's Eleven. And I'm going to tell you why. It's a New Year's movie. Way to go. Yeah. Overachieving in Thank this you. week's this yeah. week's suggested for you. I was thinking about it. I was like, definitely That's overachieving. It's got such great talent, so many great actors, obviously the rat pack, but also for our nerd uh contingent out there listening to us, and for me and you, because we're nerds, it's got Caesar Romero who plays the Joker from the nineteen sixty six Batman series. There you go. There so, you go. I like it. Thank you. What are your suggestions, sir? Or suggestion? So I have two options. Okay. One is a movie that 
I think is possible you've seen. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's readily on a streaming platform. Okay. The other is a television series Mm. that is readily streamable. And it's a 20-minute cartoon comedy. So I will let you make your pick of which of those on the surface sounds more appealing to you. A 20-minute cartoon comedy series. And the, the, the film... Does give me more to go follow on. it is a recent action film and it kind of follows it's a nice follow-up to die hard because while die hard is my favorite mo- action movie and movie of all time but mm-hmm. i think the best action movie this is the first of what i think might discreetly be the best action series of movies ever. if you're if you're gonna make me watch any of the fast and the furious nonsense no. okay but maybe i will have to do that one day but oh no God. i'm not making you watch any fast and the furious i'll check out i'll check out this film what's the film okay john wick oh i'm so I'm, i have not seen any of them and i've been looking for an excuse okay yes okay okay this is so I'm exciting. That I went with that. Okay. I will pay for that movie. Keanu Reeves makes his triumphant return. Triumphant. He, this literally, this is his late breakout, right? Because he wasn't really in much before this. And right. then they're like, oh, Keanu can still do stuff in this movie. This was not like, th- when this came out, this was a very, like, it was a slow roll. It was something where people didn't realize what was happening until like a month later and people were still going to see it because all the first people who saw it were like, this movie is insane. Word of mouth. And you have to go see it. Um, The premise is unreal. One of the best action movie premises of all time, I think. Um, And I'm not going to reveal what it is. I don't know if you know what it is just from you know, hearing about I, it. I think I've heard and, things, but I'll, 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 let me dive in. Yeah. Um, it invents an entire new sub genre of action films, like or, or a new piece to action films that was never done before. It was a style of fighting that they basically call, and I don't think this is a spoiler that they call gun fu. Gun fu. Gun fu. I'm ready. And it's it's incredible and it's so cool. And like you'll know it when like you'll know I don't need to describe gunfu. You will know what gunfu when is when it. you see it. <laughs> um and Keanu is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. And so it's a great first movie, but legitimately the the three movies, it gets better every single movie. And it's one of those where they legitimately up the stakes and up the action and up the set pieces that they do every sequel 
and not for the worse either because sometimes they try to outdo the the previous film right and it doesn't work out the way they want to this legitimately improves every film that you get because you're bought into the ridiculousness i I have it's, really, I've been looking for an excuse. I've heard okay. so many great things. I can't believe it's gotten to three without me seeing any of them. It's also, from what I understand, got a guy I love in it, Ian McShane. It does. So yes, it I'm does. ready. Very I'm prominent in the bag. Role. Okay, in the bag. cool. Good. I'm Good. Ready. I'll stop selling it. I've gone on enough. You I've already, already sold the ticket. I've already used up everything I'm going to say next episode. <laughs> I'm excited. Well, listen. I think all that's left is to wish the world a Merry Christmas. Yes, we are wishing you all a Merry Christmas. Happy holidays for those who don't celebrate Christmas. Mm. Um, We will catch you before the new year. We are, we're not taking the week off. We're going to come out with a new episode for next week. A lot of people are going to be on vacation. It's a good time to listen. Um, We appreciate you guys. This has been a fun couple months. We're about to close out the year. Um, Next podcast, on top of watching John Wick and talking about that and watching Oceans, the original Oceans 11 and talking about that, while we don't have Mandalorian to talk about, we will be, I believe, I would imagine you're going to see this movie, we will be discussing Wonder Woman 1984 oh, that because question. that's coming out on Christmas Day. Yep. Maybe we'll dabble a little bit into Soul. That's probably a little bit more up my alley than yours. That's a new Pixar movie coming out oh, at Disney okay. Plus, also on Christmas. I could be um, But also more importantly, we will be going over kind of our, our year in review of entertainment for 2020. 2020 was not a good year, as we all know. But there were some highlights when it came to the content that we consumed over this past year. And Lord knows we had plenty of time in quarantine to just be sitting around watching stuff, reading whatever it was we were doing. So we will have our top 10 lists of our favorite things from 2020. Um, So that you can look forward to next week. If you like everything that you hear if you're first time listener please consider subscribing leaving a nice review we'd really appreciate it we would love to start building up our our listeners um that we get every week um you can find us on any streaming platform you can find us on neil's website the great glued to the screen.com that's glued the number two the screen.com yep and with that all of that being said neil What do we got to say to the people? Stream on into the new year, everybody. 